Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. All right. Hey, anybody here who has been a fan and still is a fan of either team in the Super Bowl? Which team? Okay, let me ask another question. How many of you would be against any team Tom Brady is playing for? Oh, sorry, Connie. <laughs> it's a sad truth. Well, whoever wins, I think it's going to be a really good game. Glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to be finishing up our January Start the Year sermon series called Awake. We've looked at Awake from Sleep, Get Up, Get Ready, Awake Your Eyes, Your Ears, Your Spiritual Inside, Awaken to Who Jesus Is. And today, it's Awake Your Voice. It is, well, we're going to be looking at a time when Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. Couldn't hear, couldn't talk. Jesus healed him so he could talk. Uh, you may know some people who can't hear or can't speak, um, or, or someone who hasn't been able to speak for a reason. Like, for example, I, I was really interested. I looked it up on people who awakened from a coma, and what's the first thing they would say? What do you, what do you think? Well, this guy, his name is uh, Jack Bo Jake Booth. He was in a coma for almost two months because of pneumonia and a heart attack. So when he woke up, everybody was right by his bedside. His eyes fluttered open. The first thing he said is, I want Taco Bell. <laughs> Profound, huh? What were you doing in there all this time? I was wanting a Taco Bell. <laughs> and sometimes you can't speak. A person can't speak because of a deformity or damage, vocal cords, or perhaps sometimes a real or perceived trauma can interrupt someone's speech. It's called a... Uh, it's called, uh, Muteness, but it's called selective muteness. One young man, young boy, three years old, uh, after he began preschool, um, he began to stop speaking until he was altogether mute. Well, of course, his parents were beside themselves with concern and worry, and so they took him to therapist, and uh, they diagnosed him with a selective mutism caused by social anxiety disorder. Now, I know probably a lot of us find ourselves, well, public speaking is like a number one fear, right? But sometimes in a crowd, you know, we don't want to really speak. We don't want to say things that might draw attention to ourselves. Well, this little guy just stopped speaking. But after years of therapy, he began to find his voice until at 11, he's trying out for plays again. And so he was able to find his voice. Now, what we're going to do is look at a man that Jesus healed after being lifelong deaf and mute, I don't think the first thing he said was, I want Taco Bell. I think he probably said, thank you, that was a miracle. But certainly the others around him attributed it to a miracle. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 31, where we're, where we're told there that Jesus left Tyre and went to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee the region of the ten towns or the Decapolis. Now, probably you're not really even aware of the geography of the movement, but essentially Jesus went north from the west side of Galilee, and then he came back down south to the east side. Now, remember a month or so ago, I did a message when Jesus threw the demons out of a guy on the east side, the Decapolis. Well, he's coming back into that area now, 
And as he came back, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. And the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man <clears throat> to heal him. So they had heard about Jesus. And they hoped that Jesus could heal their friend. So it says, Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. Now, Jesus healed in many different ways. This has got to be one of the strangest. Can you imagine you're in the crowd, you're standing there, they go off a little ways. All of a sudden, Jesus reaches up and sticks his fingers in this guy's ear. Like, whoa, what's that? And then, I guess he, he uh, spits on the tip of his, touches the other guy's tongue. Boy, that certainly is not a COVID restriction, right? And, and, and so he's standing there with his fingers in this guy's ear, and he looks up. He says, Fatata, which is an Aramaic word for be opened. And it says, instantly, <clears throat> the, instantly the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Why did Jesus stick his fingers in the guy's ears? Well, remember, the guy can't hear. He didn't know what Jesus was doing. He, he didn't know. And I think Jesus was demonstrating physically to him what was going to happen. When he put his fingers in his ear and he touched his tongue, he looked to heaven. The very first words the deaf man heard his whole life was, Pafata, be open. And immediately he was like, I can hear. I can speak. He began speaking. Everyone was amazed at what had happened, and they said, surely this is something, a work of God. So what I want to look at today is perhaps we as Christians need to have our tongues freed from selective muteness when it comes to sharing our faith with other people. It's tough today, isn't it, to bring, I mean, if you're at a Super Bowl party and you bring the word God up, what happens? I mean, they take the dip away. I mean, you're, you're kicked out. <laughs> Nothing. You're a person non You don't bring up God in polite conversation. So what we want to do is figure out how Jesus can open our ears to hear the prompting of the Father and open our mouths so that we find our voice and we can speak about his love and share with others about Christ. Because you see, speaking to others and bringing others to Christ is part of our basic charter as a Christian. Uh, when Jesus first called his disciples, he said, you'll be fishers of men. In other words, you'll go bring people to me. And the last thing Jesus said before he left this earth to go to heaven was, go and make disciples. Now, we don't necessarily know what that means, but it meant that they would go and they would speak to others and bring others to faith in Christ and teaching them all things, whatever I've commanded you, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is not just the church corporate responsibility. That is your personal opportunity. Can you imagine the thrill it would be for you to have a conversation with someone that ended with that person praying to receive Jesus and experiencing new life in Christ. Wouldn't that be great? That's what Jesus has for you, and that's what you're called to. Now, have you ever wondered about God's will for your life? Sometimes people pray, God, what's your will for my life? So what if you prayed, oh, God, 
Tell me your will for my life and I will do it. Share your faith with others and you're like, whoa, anybody else up there? <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that or not. But wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, the miracle, would it be so cool if Jesus put his fingers in your spiritual ears, touched your tongue, and did a miracle, and opened your ears to hear from God and speak your voice about Jesus, to share your faith? Well, we would probably protest, wouldn't we? Well, God, you don't understand. I mean, down here right now, Christianity is not really popular. If I were to speak out, people might ridicule me, laugh at me, and ostracize me. I don't think that'd be a good thing. Well, you wouldn't be the first person to object when God asked you to speak for him, would you? I mean, in the Bible, it always happens. So what if he came back and said, you know, you're always asking a lot of things from me. How about you do this one thing for me? So right now, you're probably thinking in your life about your social contacts, your friends, your relatives, and you're probably not seeing many candidates because it is kind of scary and intimidating. But I want to give you a more comfortable path so that you can share your faith with others. Now, this is really important because there is a particular body part that is the very first thing that you utilize when you're sharing your faith with others. It is your ears because you want to start with listening first to God, but then you want to listen to other people as you begin a conversation. Um, probably you've heard about or maybe experienced an obnoxious Christian that just kind of blurts it out, starts talking about God. You've got to be saved. You're going to hell if you don't. No, that's not the way we're starting. We're starting by what's called attentive listening or active listening. You have many conversations during the week. Coworkers, friends, neighbors, people that you're hiking with. And a lot of those conversations, people will bring up things they're interested in. Or they will complain about problems. As a Christian who loves God and loves people, this is your entree into their hearts. Let's say, for example, you're listening for a person's interest. Um, and so when someone speaks to you, you put down what you're doing, your phone probably, and you look at them and you orient your body so that they know that you're being attentive and you respond with your face. If they're saying something humorous, you smile. Or if they say something that's sad, you show concern. In other words, you're responding to what they're saying. You may ask clarifying questions or say, wow, uh-huh. Uh, you can try this at home, even this afternoon. If a loved one, a wife, or kid comes in and starts speaking to you, try this. Mute the TV. Put down what you're reading or put down your phone. Look at them in the eye and express on your face that you're listening and responding. And you may be asking questions like, well, then what happened next? When you give that attentive listening at home, you better have 911 on speed dial. Because whoever it is speaking to you is going to be like, whoa, what just happened? That is amazing. And it is amazing. Because in this world, how often are we listened to? And when you're listened to carefully, consciously, it makes you feel good about yourself. It's a gift when you give attentive listening. So you're listening to people, and this is really simple, about their interest. 
let's say you're listening to someone who's into kayaking. And so you're, uh, you're listening to them and you're uh, reflecting what's, and, and you're asking appropriate questions and, and, and you're like, well, when you're kayaking, aren't you strapped into that little, little boat thing? Well, yeah. What happens if you flip over in the rapids and you're going down the river with your face hitting rocks? What's that like? And they say, well, no, it's not that bad. We just flip back over. You do what? That must be, how do you learn to do that? Well, what is the best rapid you ever, you've ever kayaked? And how did you get into paddling in the first place? Now, all you've done, and it could be anything, golf, tennis, probably not hockey. I don't think hockey works. Or football, <laughs> whatever it may be. You're simply listening and interacting, and you are regarding the other person with one of the best gifts that you can give, and that is your attention. All right, so far, this is really simple. All you do is engage in conversations as an active participant with attentive listening. Remember what attentive listening is. It means you put down what you're doing, you look at the person, you reflect on your face according to what they're saying, you may ask appropriate questions. Okay? You don't take the spotlight away and say, well, when I did this and that, and then you go off on your... No. You honor the other person. You serve the other person. Because it takes humility. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he humbled himself to serve them for something they needed. Now, we're not into foot washing anymore. But when you are willing to attentively listen to someone, you are serving them. You are humbling yourself and not taking the spotlight away from them, like we so often do in conversation. Now, all, now let's go on to when a person talks about a problem. How do you respond to that? Let's say a person tells you that their job is in jeopardy and they don't know how they're going to feed their family. You respond appropriately, concerned, you're listening, and you say it sounds like you're scared you're going to lose your job and you won't be able to take care of your family. Now think over what I just said. It sounds like. Your question, you're, you're, you're asking, is what I'm hearing what you're saying? It sounds like you're feeling scared about losing your job. There's only two parts of the conversation. There's content, losing your job, and there's feeling, scared. And so what you're doing is you're reflecting that you have heard what they're saying on an intellectual and an emotional level. When was the last time you were listened to that carefully, non-judgmentally, where someone simply said, it sounds like you're scared that you may lose your job and not be able to take care of your family? It's startling because you're, you're not telling them what to do. Oh, you're not saying, oh, no, it'll be okay, don't worry. You're simply acknowledging what they say. You're not agreeing, you're not disagreeing. You're acknowledging what they have to say to you. When you listen attentively, you're demonstrating what it looks like for a Jesus follower to serve. Loving God, loving people. That's what we're all about. Now, the other person might respond to what you're having to say and say, what do you do when you're in a scary situation? And at that point, you can answer. Don't take over the conversation. There's no need to have a theological discussion, but you can say, when I'm scared of worrying about something, I look to God. 
for peace so that I can be calm inside and not do or say anything that won't make it worse. Now, that'll resonate with them because we've all done that. Do you see, for every negative emotion, there's a corresponding resource that God has for the believer for that negative emotion. So in other words, when you're listening to someone, it doesn't matter what negative emotion they're expressing. There's a specific resource. Let me share with you. Fear, worry, stress, anxiety. What does God have to offer in response to that? Worry, fear. What does God have? Turmoil, stress. What does God have to offer? It's not a trick question, guys. Peace and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying you whip your Bible out and read that verse. The verse is up there to give you, a Christian, a foundation to stand on when you're talking with someone and have the assurance that God has peace to give for a person's worry or fear or anxiety. How about feeling depressed, feeling down, having grief? Well, when Jesus last night with his disciples, John uh, 15, 11, he said, I, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, you can simply say to a person who is down and out, you know, God has some joy for you that is beyond your circumstances. How about anger, bitterness, resentment? Do you hear much complaining these days at work? <coughs> about the government? About whatever, who knows? Well, God has something for us who are caught up in a prison of bitterness. And it's the way and the path for him to be present with us and to provide a way to forgive and to get out of the prison of bitterness. So you see all those negative emotions, fear, worry, depression, anger, resentment, God has a resource. I want you to meet a young man named William who last week, because he was struggling with depression, sought to look for some help. William, come on up here because he's going to be baptized today. So, William, come right on up. You guys help him come up. We don't want anybody falling here. William Vera Gonzalez, is that correct? <clears throat> now, William, it'd be fair to say that you're not a uh, avid church goer, right? No, sir. Go ahead and throw it right there. Before you came to the orchard the first time, how many times had you attended church before? Never. Never? Yes, sir. Why did you first come to the orchard? Uh, when did I, what? Why did you come to the orchard? Uh, to look for peace. <laughs> to look for peace, because yeah. you were struggling with that depression. Yes, sir. So when you came to the orchard, and you just came in and sat down, what did you experience? Um, sorry, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> That's okay. You just take your time. Uh, what was it like for you? What did you uh, discover here? Well, like, there was... Uh, 
it was it was interesting it was just like it was like a different point of view in life i guess you could say it was just you know different experience because i've never went to church and whatnot and then the way the pastor preached it like i don't know it just like touched my soul and it was just, like just a different experience and just like a different outlook in life i guess wow and you heard yeah. about jesus huh yeah and so it came to a point where you said i think i want to get in on that yes sir and so you heard about how jesus died for you on the cross to forgive you and send his holy spirit inside of you with his peace yes sir and you prayed thank you jesus dying on the cross for me yep I received you, you, you as my Lord, yep, Lord and Savior right. and the Holy Spirit in my heart. All right. Eric, come on up here and stand. Eric uh, is good friends here. In fact, they work together. And so I want to ask you, do you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Yes, sir. And you want to follow him the rest of your life? Yes, sir. Now, when I baptize Willow, I'm going to lay him under the water to represent when Jesus died and was laid in the tomb. And... We're putting your old life of depression and despair in the tomb. When I raise you up, it symbolizes Jesus resurrecting from the grave, and you'll be raised to new life in Christ. So, let me baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Look at that smile. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, you're raised to walk in newness of Christ. Come right on up. <laughs> Let's get some help and help him make sure he gets out okay, gets dried off. So you have just seen what happens when Jesus meets a need in life, right? <laughs> it is a time of rejoicing. It is a great time of rejoicing. Now, I want you to get the picture. When you're in conversation and people are expressing a negative emotion, you just think about it. There are so many things that God has to meet our needs. There is a variable, there's an orchard full of resources for others and for you. In Galatians 5, we're told that the fruit of the Spirit in the orchard that is within you as a believer, is love, joy. So if you're feeling down or depressed or dejected, you can go to that tree in the orchard with the joy of the Holy Spirit and you can partake of it and let it soothe your soul. Peace, if you're turmoil, worry, take that fruit of peace and savor it because it's for you. Love, joy, peace, patience. Anybody need a little extra patience? You come to the end of your own, might need a little extra. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, short supply today, right? Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, there's more, but that's an orchard available for the person who believes in Christ. And how about you? I know Christians, unfortunately who do not take advantage of the resources that God provides for believers who experience negative feelings and past experiences. It's like they're not really aware of it or don't think they're worthy of it. But I want you to know the fruit of the Spirit 
the love and joy, the strength, the wisdom, the guidance that is available to you as a Christian, Jesus paid for on the cross. It's paid for. I don't care if you have sinned, you've done something really bad, you feel you disqualified yourself. You haven't because in God's grace, you have free access to the fruit of the Spirit for the needs that you have. And so when you're having a really bad experience or you're feeling bad, worried, depressed, <coughs> you ask God, God, I'm really feeling down. I need a sense of your joy that Jesus spoke to his disciples that night. And then keep your focus on him. Don't just go back to focusing on your problem. It'll just stir you up again. So when you pray, God, I need your peace. I need your joy. Focus and receive what he has for you. Now, he wants you to be able to have a heart that is resourced, confident, and compassionate to face life in this world and share him with others. Now we're going to get to the hard part, the God talk. When you bring up God in a conversation, how do you do that? How do you do it in such a way so that the other person's worst fears are not experienced? Well, here's something you can say. Well, you know, we've been working together for a while, a long time. <coughs> I've known you or whoever it may be. I'm just wondering, what is your idea about what God is like? Now, you're not asking them, do you believe in God? You're saying, what's your idea about what God is like? It's a fascinating uh, question, and you'll find yourself in a great conversation. The other person will think a moment. You listen attentively, and then you reflect. It sounds like your idea of God is like a, a force somewhere on the far side of the universe. Is that right? Did you see that was a question? Is that right? Give the person an opportunity to clarify or to affirm what you've heard. And the next question, again, is non-threatening. And it's, it's a great question for a conversation. How did you come by those ideas about God? In other words, you believe God is a force in the universe. How did, how did you come to those ideas? And then you listen. You listen non-judgmentally. And you say, well, it sounds like that you really couldn't find an idea of God in the religions that appealed to you. And so you, this was your idea about God. Is that right? Yeah. And then that's it, unless they want to extend the conversation. What you have done is you have done a miracle in their life. You have been a Christian listening to them non-judgmentally about their beliefs of God. Because it, all people who, who aren't here today and, and not Christians, they fear talking to a Christian because they're going to get preached at or put down or judged. You're just listening. And let me tell you, most people never really think through their beliefs. In fact, you may have prompted the very first verbalizing of what their beliefs may be. <laughs> kind of fuzzy for most people. They really have not put that much into it. And so you give them an opportunity to evaluate 
their own beliefs because you've listened objectively and compassionately. You haven't judged them. And so as you walk away or as things go on, they might think, wow, I'm not really sure. Where did that come from? <laughs> I didn't know I believed that. Wow, that doesn't sound right. And you haven't said a word of judgment or censure, but you've left it open for them to hear their own beliefs and to be able to evaluate them. Now, when you bring up God, even in the best way, prepare for blowback. Probably you'll receive some blowback. But aren't you willing to take a little heat for Jesus? Here's what often you'll hear. Well, I can't believe in a God who would let children die and let my grandmother die. Whoa. What do you do? do? How do you respond? You're like, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have brought this up. I'm calling Doug. I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. But you're secure in who you are in Christ. And they have come back with complaints and criticism about God. And here's how you can respond. You know, it sounds like it's hard for you to believe in a good God who would let bad things happen to good people. All you're doing is acknowledging what they said. You don't agree or disagree. You're just acknowledging that you heard it and that you're listening non-judgmentally and you're compassionate. And you say, well, how did, how did you get to that? I mean, how, how did you come to formulate that? Well, my grandmother was dying, and I asked God to heal her and keep her from dying, and he didn't. And then you respond, that must have been quite a blow. Were you close to your grandmother? Yeah. I mean, so disappointing. I can understand how if I were there in that experience, I'd probably have a problem with God too. Are you willing to be that vulnerable as a Christian? To love God, to love people by being compassionate. And, and, and you might get, well, oftentimes, um, oftentimes Christians, their first venture to talk about God is to invite people to church, right? So prepare for blowback. Uh, hopefully, that, you know, people come and they enjoy it. But you may hear, well, I can't believe the way Christians treat people in churches are just all after money. Oh, no. Surely, I mean, how do you respond to that? Well, what you can say is, um, well, how did that come about? Have you experienced something bad from Christians or church? Well, when I was a kid, we didn't have nice clothes, and the Christians looked down on us. When I was a kid, my parents divorced, and the church shut us out. And you can say, that must have hurt. Man, if I'd been treated that way by Christians or a church, I wouldn't want to be around them either. Can you believe I'm saying this stuff? I mean, this gives you a path to people's hearts. You're not giving anything up. You're not denying Christ. You're simply washing people's feet by listening non-judgmentally. And then they say, Oh, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. And you can say, you know, I've been disappointed in some Christians' behavior too. In fact, I'm disappointed in mine at times. 
I feel like I don't live up to what Jesus taught. You know, I, I'm sorry. I wish we could be better examples of Jesus in this world. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's just your response, you're secure within yourself, and as you listen, you don't have to defend or, com- or condemn. You don't have to agree, disagree. You simply acknowledge and you share usually your heart of sorrow for the way that person has come to those beliefs because they felt hurt about God or about the church. Does that make sense? Now, I want you to think about it. In fact, I want you to pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, give me insight into someone this week that I can listen to attentively and let them know they're a valuable person and they're loved by you just by the way I listen. And if possible, open up an opportunity so I can hear what they say about God. Hopefully you got a picture. Hopefully you got a picture of someone this week. Let's say the conversation progresses. And it comes to the point where you've, you've listened to their interests, you've listened to their problems, you've shared your concern, your hurt for them, and they say, well, well, what about you? What do you believe? What's your story? The word story there is critical. This is not time for a theological diatribe. And you can say whatever your story is. And it could be like this one. Well, my life, my life has had, I've had a lot of problems too. In fact, I caused a lot of problems by my own anger, whether it was drivers or my wife. I know that I have contributed to a lot of my problems because of my anger. And it went on for a long time. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't even know it was wrong for a long time until I noticed the way people reacted. Then one day, I, I asked God to help me with my anger. I didn't know what I believed in God. So I asked a few people, what, what can I do? How, how can God help me with my anger? And someone told me about Jesus and about his love and about how when they were torturing him and crucifying him, he didn't get mad at those people who were hurting him. In fact, he prayed forgiveness for those who were nailing him to the cross. So I figured someone like that who could deal with anger in that situation could help me. So, so how did that work? So here's what I did. I asked God to help me with my anger. And I realized that he wasn't angry with me. And that instead of being mad at me for all the stupid things I've done and the ways that I've offended him, that what he did instead, he died on the cross, taking the suffering I deserved for my stupid decisions, my anger, my bad stuff, and my hurting people. So instead of being angry with me, he died for me. And he let me know that I am incredibly valuable to him. In fact, if Jesus died for me, I guess he regards me with the same worth that he sees from Jesus. And then what I do is I ask him for help. If I'm feeling unlovable or when people mistreat me, 
I ask him, fill me with your presence and your love so that I know that I'm loved above these circumstances. And he loved me. And I love him back. I said, God, I love you so much. You gave your life for me. That's not really religious, is it? It's a simple story. And so they say, well, how can I get there? How can I do that? Well, there's only one verse you need. John 3.16. You can kind of say it with me under your breath there because you probably know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so you say to that person, God cares for you. And he wants to be present with you in your life. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven and have a good relationship with a clean slate with God. Well, how do I do that? How do I activate that? Here's what you pray. Now, if you've never prayed this before, you can pray this along with me. Wilo prayed this just last week. This is the prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and forgiving my sin. Thank you for your Holy Spirit sent within me. I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for new life. Amen. That prayer, when you talk to God, it means you're coming to the end of yourself and the beginning of your new life in Christ. I know that all that I've said today perhaps has not penetrated to a point where you're ready to go out and talk about Jesus. I don't think human words can do that, only the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray right now for you. And if you're willing and open to this, I want to ask you just, uh, as you're sitting there with your hands, just go like that. <laughs> Nobody will see you. If you want to receive the prayer that I'm going to pray for you, just like that. I'm not, I'm, no tricks. I'm going to pray that God's Spirit will give you the power and the boldness and compassion to be willing to engage people in conversation in a caring, loving way, perhaps, to share Jesus. So let me pray for you. God, I want to pray for these, my friends. I know that so many of them long to be able to talk with others about you, to share your love. But we've been held back by our fears, by our hesitancy. Father, I want to pray that by your Holy Spirit that you just flood their hearts, our hearts right now, with a boldness and compassion that helps us look at other people to hear their need, to hear their hurt, to hear their pain, and to share your love. By the power of your Holy Spirit, enable us to speak out for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.